0: Well, before we dive into the content of today's message, um, if you were here last week, you uh, were a part, you heard us uh, talk about an initiative that we're launching called Believe. Uh, Everyone say Believe. Believe. Uh, I think I just asked you to respond about 18 times in the first two minutes, so uh, it, it'll get better. Um, but but this is an initiative we truly feel like God is leading us into as a church in this next season. And this Believe initiative is focused on three uh, strategic areas for us as a church. The first one is expansion. Uh, we feel that God is leading us to put down some roots right here in Bethesda and seeking out a permanent facility facility uh, and a permanent facility we can not only reach more people on sundays Uh, Specifically, many of you know this, our kids' ministry has been growing. Uh, We've been having to add classrooms. Uh, Our our kids' ministry, I'm telling you, if you don't know this, uh, it truly is a move of God happening in our kids' ministry. Uh, If you enjoy kids at all, you can just mark kids team. Come on, somebody, on your Team Sunday form. Uh, There is an opportunity for you uh, in that team especially, all teams, all teams. Uh, but uh, we are going to create, I uh, want to move into a permanent space, and, and this next season is to position ourselves to move in. We are already working with real estate agents, and I want you to know we will keep you updated every step of the way as a church, uh, as we are making our, our movement. If you have been a part, even personal real estate, even more so in corporate real estate, it is a process, uh, and we are in that process now. Uh, that's a big part of what we feel called to do in this next season, because we feel called to reach more people. Uh, Secondly is next generation. We want to help children and students have an encounter with God. Uh, we How many of you know that what happens on Sundays in those classrooms, what happens in our student groups is not just babysitting. Uh, they are having some ministry. Uh, they are having an encounter with God uh, at a young age. And we want to continue to create world-class environments for our kids and students. We also want to, with our students in particular, just continue to invest in our middle and high school students and create experiences where they want to bring their friends to uh, and so excited for what God's doing in the next gen. We believe God has so much more. Uh, and then the last area we feel called to focus on is mission. This ties into what happened yesterday. Uh, since day one, we have folk called to bless a city, not merely reside in a city. And uh, we've been doing that. But he, here's what I know is that right now, because of our portability, we are limited in all that we can do. And uh, I, I believe, listen, what we have in the future uh, is far more impactful serve days, even 10 times more impactful serve days. We also envision having our own facility that could be an outreach hub that throughout the, the month we could have different outreaches, meetings, the needs of our city and shining the light of Jesus all throughout this region Uh, this permanent facility will also enable us to to continue to invest for our online family uh, be a hub to launch future catalyst church locations Uh, so we are excited about what God has for us in this next season Uh, what does that mean for you maybe you're asking that Here's a word we're 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 asking for and hoping for and praying for, is that our goal? um, And I'll give some specific dates. Is we want 100% engagement of our church in this initiative. Here's why. Um, because when it comes to uh, being a part of an initiative like this, when it comes to being a part of what God wants to do in the life of a church, I said this last week, that what God is doing in the church corporately, God wants to do in your life individually. Uh, We are believing that not only will God do exceedingly, abundantly, and above in the life of our church, we believe it's going to happen in the life of your family, in the life of your, your own life. And uh, So we want 100% engagement because here's why. This is not just an initiative to, to raise money for the future of Catalyst Church. This is about our hearts because Jesus said, wherever your treasure is, there will be your heart. And here's what we're asking everybody who calls Catalyst home is to ask God how he would have for you to give towards the believe initiative. I said this last week, but I'm going to say it again. I don't know what your church background is, but one thing you will never hear or feel at Catalyst Church is any sort of pressure to give financially. Can I get an amen? Let me help you out. If you ever feel pressure from somewhere to give financially, run like you stole something, okay? Don't steal anything, but run like you did, okay? Okay. But because that's not the heart of God. So we're not going to pressure you, but we are going to unapologetically ask you to ask God how he would have for you to give towards this initiative. Uh, Here's our goal is $3.5 million over the next two years. Um, And how that will be accomplished, I think we have a chart we'll put on the screens uh, to give a little bit of a, a picture of what that might look like. Maybe not, but I'll talk through it. Uh, there's a chart that's in the, there it is. Uh, this just gives an idea of the types of gifts and, um, to, that will be needed for us to reach our goal as a church. Um, this is not science in terms of the, the, meaning this, the chart is not like this is what has to happen. This is to stir you up as you're praying about what is God asking me to give. And you'll see a, mer- a variety of gifts, And here's what we know. For some of you, God may be able to tell you, there are some of you in the room who has capacity, and God may speak to you, that you could give a half a million dollars over the next two years. For some of you, it is a stretch to give $500 over the next two years. This is why we're not telling you what to give. We're telling you to ask God how he would have for you to give. Biblically speaking, Ephesians 4, the apostle Paul says, every joint supplies. It means every part of the body of Christ has a role in the body of Christ. Uh, You'll receive, if you did not, a commitment, God on the way out today. If you didn't receive one last week, uh, it looks like this. You'll receive a gift from us. It includes a booklet with some info about uh, the initiative. And in that commitment guide, I want to make reference to the on the back page. I think they'll have it up on the screens as well. It kind of shows what that guide looks like. And here's what we're asking you to do. Again, pray and ask God over the next two years what he would have for you uh, to give. And you'll see Uh, There's a place there to say what your current giving is to catalyst, what you feel like God is calling you to expand in your giving. Uh, There are some who've already come to me and they feel you'll see an area there for stored assets, whether it be stocks or charitable fund uh, or appreciated real estate. There are some who've already said, I feel like God's called me to give from some stored assets that I have. Uh, It's just there to be a guide in your process as we seek God together. Lastly, I want to close with some dates to share with you uh, for you to mark your calendars. First is Advanced Commitment Service. Uh, It's happening on Friday, November 4th. And uh, this is a night all of our dream team and leaders have already received an invite for that but you are invited as well, even if you're not on the Dream Team. Uh, if you feel like uh, by no- November 4th, God has spoken to you about what he's asking you to commit over the next two years, uh, come to that night. We're going to have an optional dinner from 6 to 7, and then 7.15, we'll have an hour-long worship service. It'll be an impactful night. And then two Sundays from then, November 13th, is our Belief Commitment Sunday. Or corporately, we will give our faith commitments, submit our faith commitments uh, together on that Sunday. Um, and let me just say this. Here's why commitments are important. Uh, because this is about our heart, not just about raising money. Uh, and when we make a faith commitment, we are saying, God, I'm already saying yes to you before I have the money. <laughs> Uh, and we're already saying, God, I trust you before it even comes in. And then last last date, and then we're going to move into our message is December fourth is what we're calling Believe Offering Sunday. Uh, and on that Sunday, we are bringing our first gift. Uh, we call it our first and best gift towards our believe commitments on December fourth. Sound good? Are y'all still with me? All right, let's dive into the message uh, today. We are continuing on this series called Believe. And uh, if you missed last week, please go back and, and listen to it. Uh, especially if you call Catalyst home, uh, and if you are a guest with us, let me just also help you out. Uh, we are not in a campaign like this all the time. Come on, somebody! Uh, <laughs> this is for a moment of time. And again, please don't ever feel any pressure at all. We're grateful you're here. If you're a guest, and would love to meet you at our guest reception right after service, we have a gift for you. Uh, but last week we kicked off the series and. Talking about uh, really God speaking to us out of Joshua and taking a step of faith uh, again, and not just corporately as a church, but for your life individually. And today I want to talk about uh, a topic. Uh, In fact, I've entitled today's message, you can write this down if you're taking notes, Graced to Give. Graced to Give. And we're going to talk today about looking at uh, 2 Corinthians 8, if you have your Bibles, uh, a part in Scripture where Paul speaks about this idea of being graced to give and the importance of generosity in our lives. And let me just say this. Today we're talking about generosity. And generosity is far bigger than finances, uh, to be a generous person. Um, But a lot of what Scripture has to say has to do with our finances. Uh, But I want you to think through how does it apply to your finances, but how does it apply in all of your life today? But before we dive into the word, let's pray. Uh, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you. It's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Uh, We pray today as we open it up, God, that you would speak to us. Uh, Father, we just posture our minds, our hearts, our spirits to receive from you today. Uh, it is in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen. Second Corinthians 8, if you have your Bibles with you, is where we're going to be. Uh, Paul is writing this letter to the Corinthian church. And uh, he actually is writing in Second Corinthians 8. It's actually uh, um, the next uh, two chapters. Really, uh, it even starts in 2 Corinthians 7, but 8 and 9. He speaks a lot about this topic of generosity, and he's writing to the Corinthian church, and to give context, the church of Corinth is a lot like a church in this Washington metropolitan area. Corinth was a metropolitan city. Uh, It was full of a lot of individuals who were well-educated, who were wealthy uh, financially, who were successful. It was sort of a hustling and bustling city, and he writes this letter speaking about a church in Macedonia, now, Macedonia was was pretty much quite the opposite of Corinth. Uh, Macedonia was an impoverished church. Uh, and he writes really looking at the Macedonian church as an example of how to live a life of generosity. Uh, and it's quite profound what Paul says in just nine verses uh, there in 2 Corinthians 8. Um, it's a great study to read 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 together. You really will get the whole picture of what Paul, um, really the heart behind Graced uh, giving as opposed to giving out of obligation. Uh, but here's what he says in verse one, he says this, now brothers and sisters, uh, we want you to know about the grace that God has given to the Macedonian churches. A little side note, if you're kind of a uh, love uh, to read your Bible and you love to know some behind the scenes, whenever you see um, Paul or Peter or James say brothers and sisters, he's talking to, the, to church. He's talking to Christians uh, because we are the family of God. So I want you to note that. He's not speaking to those outside the church. He's speaking to those in the church. He said, okay, brothers and sisters, we're family here. <laughs> he says, in the midst of their very severe trial, the Macedonian church were, uh, were, were experiencing very significant, um, to give context of their poverty, the Macedonian church uh, were under economic oppression. Um, in their city, they were being taxed excessively. Uh, what we would call today very unjustly. A very unjust government was overtaxing the Macedonian people. Not only that, the primary source of income for the Macedonians were in were in minefields. And, and they were actually in a mining communities. And the government had actually bought up all of the places that provided income for the Macedonians, and they were siphoning off the income, limiting how much the Macedonian church could make. So they were being oppressed greatly. So when he says here, their severe trial, that's what he's talking about. He says, their are overflowing joy and their extreme poverty. But watch this, it almost seems like a contradiction of terms. He says, welled up in their rich generosity. For I testify, they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Uh, The original Greek word there for even beyond their ability is the same word that you see in Ephesians chapter 3 when it says that God would do exceedingly, abundantly. There are two times in the New Testament that that word is there. It's mentioned in Ephesians 3.20. It's mentioned right here. So they gave exceedingly, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us. For the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. Uh, They were giving an offering to give context to um, Hebrew Christians um, who were facing hardship. So they weren't even giving an offering to their own church. They were giving to another church. It would be like somebody coming to Catalyst and they have no relation to Catalyst. But they're like, please let me give to the Believe initiative. That's what was happening here at the Macedonian church. They exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. So we urge Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, In faith, speech, knowledge, and complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich." I'm going to give you three thoughts from this um, passage here. But first, I'm going to speak to this one truth. Paul talks about this grace to give. Now, if you are new to faith or you're new to Christianity, this concept of grace is unique to us as followers of Jesus. Uh, Here's what grace means. Grace is getting what you do not deserve. Uh, and this whole idea of grace, Paul sums it up in Ephesians 2.8. He says, it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of, not from yourselves. It is a gift from God. Here's what Paul says, that, that, that through Jesus Christ, God has given you eternal life, nothing you could earn in and of yourself. Can I get an amen? That God has given you forgiveness of your sins, nothing you could do even on your best day. That God has given you new life in Christ, that's the grace of God. It's a free gift, you could not earn it, you don't deserve it. Here's what Paul says, even when you felt unlovable, God loved you. Even when you did not feel worthy, God said you are very worthy to me. That's the grace of God. Can I tell you, as followers of Jesus, may we never get too far removed from the grace of God. Because this is the foundation of our faith. We are not here trying to become better people because somehow God will accept us because we are more righteous. No, my friends, our righteousness will always fall short of the glory of God. Therefore, you need grace today. Come on. You need grace tomorrow. Come on, somebody. You need grace 10 years from now. The same grace you needed when God saved you is the same grace you need to sustain you. The grace of God. So catch this, because in the Old Testament, now to us, if you've been around church, you kind of get this, but if you, if you were Christians in Ephesus, if you were Christians in Corinth, this was profound, because in the Old Testament, I want you to lean into this, there were offerings that were mandatory for you to give in order to have right standing with God. You had to give them. In the law, there were two different offerings that were mandatory. And here's what Paul says, Because of the grace of God. I want you to to hear this. Because of the grace of God, you no longer have to give. You now get to give. The law no longer holds you liable to you have to give in order to have right standing with God. No, my friends, it's because you have right standing with God, because of the gift of Jesus Christ, now you get to give different it's a different motivation of the heart we're not giving out of this obligation we give out of obedience we're not giving with this weight of oh man I gotta give I gotta be a good person no it's oh man God has changed my life the gift of Jesus is so real in my life oh I can't wait to give back to you God This is so important. If you get nothing else out, get that. Because the motivation matters to God. We're not somehow giving to appease God. Can I tell you, God, Christ appeased God through his death, burial, and resurrection. Now we give out of obedience, willfully and cheerfully. So with that said, let me share with you three truths. In order for us to be grace to give, there are three truths we must embrace in our life. Here's the first one. If you're taking notes, and if you're not taking notes, just write this down. I know you don't need it, but for somebody else, you know, I know you got this. Here it is. (laughs) I am a steward of God's resources. He says, we want you to know about the grace that God has given. He he makes it clear that that what we have has been given to us by God. Psalm 24, run, the psalmist writes, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all who live in it. That everything is God's. That we are merely stewarding what we have. Come on, the the money in your account right now is actually God's money. Uh, The clothes you have on are God's clothes. The house you live in, the apartment you live in, is God's house. The children you have are God's children. Some of you are like, yeah, God, come on, you can have them. Come on. Why don't you come down and talk to them, okay? I needed you this morning, God. Come on. Any parents feel like that? (laughs) I need a move of God every day in my house just to keep my kids under control. It reminded me of uh, several years ago. So we went to this, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's in like Southwest Virginia. They have, you ever heard of these like drive through safaris? You ever heard of this? It sounds quite ridiculous. You like drive through and like a buffalo sticks his head in your car and eats this like seed. Um, You do have to get a full detail of your vehicle afterwards. They should include that in the price, you know. It's kind of like afterwards your car smells like buffalo. Um, Kids love it. Uh, so we went down there. So it was, it's like four hours away or something. So we had to stay overnight. So we got this Airbnb. And you know when you go into an Airbnb, oftentimes they have like a welcome packet. And they had a list of like the house rules. That they're like, hey, before you go, you need to do things such as take out the trash, uh, put the, run the dishwasher, strip the linens off the bed. You know, things that what, what, what the house rules are for. It's the owner saying this. This is our house you're merely stewarding it. And here's what we want you to do in order to steward my house well. Why is that important? It's because what the Bible says is everything you have in your possession is the Lord's. So what that means, in the same way, come on, if we did not follow the house rules, and listen, Abigail did not wanna follow those house rules. Come on, somebody. She was two at the time. A two-year-old wants to follow no rules. But, but we had to follow those rules. Why? Because we wanted to be good stewards of what we've been entrusted to. And we must follow what God's word says about our finances. Why? Because they are his, not ours. We are merely a steward. Now the Bible has a lot to say. In fact, back in March, I did a message where I, I taught on stewardship from a bigger perspective. About The Bible has a lot to say about debt and savings and how you spend your money. But today we're just going to dial in, for sake of time, into this idea of being generous. In fact, to give context, there are over 2,000 verses um, in the Bible about money and possessions. That's double the amount what the Bible has to say about prayer. It's quadruple the amount, four times the amount of what the Bible has to say about faith. God cares about what we do with our money. Here's why, a church. Write this down. Because it's his money. It's not ours. It's his. Here's what. Now, some of you might be thinking to yourself, well, Jeremy, I earned my money. Like, I work hard for my money. I, I, I put in long hours. I, I, I got a, a master's degree, a doctorate degree, so I could have this job. I work hard. And I'm not, I'm not dismissing that, nor am I saying that's not true. But I want, I want you to read this scripture out of Deuteronomy 8 because the Lord is speaking to the Israelite people. And let me give context. What was happening to the Israelites at this time is they were getting a little bit caught up in their own wealth. Um, and they were getting a little bit distracted by the blessings. I'll say it this way they were getting distracted by the blessings from God, which was distracting them from whom gave them the blessings in the first place. And be careful because we are all susceptible to get so busy that we put God in the back seat of our lives. And we actually forget the fact that the very first, that the person who gave you everything you have, including the breath in your lungs, is God himself. And we somehow think, God, why don't you just hang back there while I go ahead and take this driving wheel of my life? That's what was happening. So the Lord, as a loving father, offered some loving direction. He says this. Remember the Lord your God. For it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. So do you earn a paycheck from your hard work? The correct answer is yes. But if you were to say, is it also true that God has given you the ability to do that work? The the correct answer is yes. Meaning, did you work hard for your money? Yes, but who gave you the mind to solve the problems they pay you for in the first place? It was God. Did you work hard to earn your paycheck? Absolutely But who gave you strength in your hands to do the job they pay you for monthly? God himself. Yes, it's you who will get up early tomorrow morning and go to work and work hard and toil and maybe work longer than you want to. But remember, it's God himself who put breath in your lungs that enables you to get up and go to work tomorrow. Now he has graced all of us with different gifts. To whom much is given, much is required. And God's graced you, and God has given you these abilities in order to. So we have to settle the fact that God is the owner. I am a steward. Verse 2, it says this in 2 Corinthians 8. And then in their, watch this, their very severe trial, their overflowing joy, and their extreme poverty, it welled up in rich generosity. So it, it talks about this idea of, of the... the, 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 the Macedonians, that in their poverty, they had rich generosity. Now, our Western culture, we might say if you are in extreme poverty, you should be the recipients of generosity, not engaging in generosity. Would we agree? But listen, I want you to hear this. A natural approach to generosity is different than a biblical approach to generosity. The natural order of the world might say those who have much should give to those who have little. But my Bible and your Bible says it is more blessed to give than to receive. So here is this economically oppressed going through severe trial group of people saying, Please, Paul, let us give to this church because I'm more blessed when I give than when I receive even in my poverty. Can I tell you, those who have a natural order of thinking and you're waiting for somebody else wealthier than you to give to you or to give to somebody else, instead of engaging in it of yourself, you are engaging in a natural mind. And listen, please hear I say this gently and lovingly, but you may be subconsciously believing that somehow you are your source, not God. But the Macedonian church said, even in our poverty, even in our oppression, he's Jehovah Jireh. He's our provider. So, Paul, please let us. Generosity, if you are a follower of Jesus, generosity is not something we do when the conditions of life are good. We are called to be generous. We don't give when just the conditions are great. Here's what this means can I put it in your lap? It means we don't stop being generous just because. Our brakes went out and our alternator went out and then our axle had issues. That was actually me three months ago. (laughs) Come on, somebody. You ever go to like the the the, you go to put you bring your car in for one thing and then they say, There's eight things wrong with your car? I'm like, the devil is a liar. (laughs) It, It means, listen, we do not adjust our generosity based upon inflation. We don't say, well, God, you understand. I'm not called to be generous now. Do you know how much milk is, Jesus? Do you know how much I put into a gas tank? Listen, are you called to be generous or are you conditioned to be generous? The answer is you're called to be generous. We don't allow the conditions of life to determine our generosity. Now, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying it's not religious uh, your, 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 your degrees of generosity may have to change over season depending on your income and various things. Please hear that. What I'm saying is your calling to be generous is unconditional. We don't give when the conditions are well. Reminded me, we were, um, this was back in 2007, 18, 18. We were in 21 days of prayer and fasting as a church, the church I was uh, a part of, something we do every January. Um, and it was during 21 days of prayer and fasting. So we knew, and we had already talked to our pastor that we were about to, i was about to leave staff of that church and start planting Catalyst Church. Now, just to give, we are a non-denominational church. So there was no denomination that was going to say, Hey, we're going to go ahead and back you and provide your salary. At that point in that time, I didn't, we were going to be like, we were planning to live off of like what we had saved. Like we just, we're going all in with this. Um, now please hear this I, I miss it a lot but I also want you to hear this that Christina and I we're in this with you uh, we don't always get it right but man God has been great been so good to us in those moments we hear from him so here's what was happening we were, we were saving money and, and to be like we might have to kind of go through some savings in order to start this church God's calling us to start and we were in 21 days of prayer and fasting and Christina came to me and she said, Jeremy, um, there, was, there was a woman in our church at the time who she had, her car had broken down. Um, she was so faithful to our church. And it had been like a month she didn't have a vehicle. She was taking like the metro and the metro bus to get to church. Anyways, in 20 ways of prayer and fasting, Christina came to me and said, Jeremy, I feel like we're supposed to give away our vehicle. And I said, Christina, I don't think that's the Lord. We're already doing something for the Lord. We're planting a church. Come on, somebody. God, you have enough, okay? You know. But I prayed about it. Uh, come on, tell you, my flesh is real too, okay? I'm just letting you know. Like, I need the Holy Spirit. So we we prayed and we wrestled for another week. Like, so it's okay if you gotta wrestle with God a little bit. I mean, it, sometimes you got to. That can actually be a good sign. It actually is Him. When God tells you to give something that's uncomfortable, it's probably Him. Come on, somebody. But if you can, you can. You don't have to think twice about what you're going to give. It might be be you. So anyway, so he he he. We 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 felt like peace, like God was telling us to give this car away. And I don't know the time. It was probably you know about ten thousand dollars or eight thousand dollars of, of of worth in this vehicle. Um, so anyways, we we went the next Sunday and we told her, hey. Um, this is a story god 's spoken to us, and we feel called to give you this vehicle uh, next next week we will come with the title we 'll sign it over in your name, and this will be yours uh, that 's it like there 's nothing we want from you we just this is we 're being obedient to the Lord and of course, she was kind of tears of joy and grateful that week and please hear this, I cannot make this up that week i 'm at my the church I was working for, the pastor invited me in for a meeting. I had no idea what it was about. And he said, hey, Jeremy, I know we've been talking about you starting Catalyst Church. I want you to know that we are going to cover your salary for six months with full-time health benefits. Can I tell you, that offer of 6 months' salary was more than that vehicle we gave away. Can I tell you, I thank God I was not limited to my, my short-sighted thinking. My, my, my conditional mindset of generosity and said, oh, I'm not going to give this car away, God. We can't do that. Can I tell you, sometimes God is just wanting to see are you actually called to be generous or are you allowing your conditions to determine your level of generosity? Because the Bible said, God will bless you abundantly so you will have everything you need to be generous on every occasion. Yeah. You may have heard it said this way in church before. It's a little cliche, but it's true. If God can get it through you, don't doubt for a second he can't get it to you. And I've seen the faithfulness of God. It's what, it's what Paul said through, to young Timothy in 1 Timothy 6. He just teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud, not to put their trust in money, which is so unreliable. Everyone just say amen. Come on, somebody. <laughs> the economic markets, inflation, it's unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good, be rich in good works, generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future that they may experience true life. That word life is the same word, it's zoe, that that Jesus used when he said, I came to give you life and life more abundantly how do you experience the zoe life the true life jesus well paul said it's when you're generous with your life so we have to understand i'm a steward of god's resources and i'm called to be generous here's point two if you're taking notes and i am called to give by faith verse five it says they exceeded our expectations And says, they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. Paul right here draws a connection between their faith in Jesus and their generosity. He says, they first gave their heart to to the Lord and then they gave generously to us. Can I tell you what Paul says in this moment? And this is an important note, that one mark of your spiritual maturity is your level of generosity. Because Paul says the natural overflow of your relationship with God should be a more generous life. Let's heed the words of Jesus. He said, for where your treasure is, where your money is, there your heart will be also. He goes on to say, no one can serve two masters. You will either hate one, love the other, be devoted to one, despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Can I tell you this? When it comes to your generosity, is it in part about what God wants to do through you? Absolutely. Because of your generosity yesterday, this week, there are people who need food that will receive food in Jesus' name. There are our men who are living on the streets that need a hygiene pack to be clean and to take care of themselves and to be reminded they are a son of the Most High God. And your generosity enabled that to happen. That your generosity is blessing other people. So does God want to do something miraculous through you? Yes. But here's what I want to focus on today. God also wants to do something in you. Because generosity, and here's why we want 100% engagement. Every person who calls Catalyst home to participate in belief. Because it's not just about what God wants to do through us. It's about what God wants to do in your heart. And, and giving is a discipleship issue. Generosity is a mark of our maturity. Paul said this, imitate God in everything you do. And we are called to follow Jesus, to follow his ways. And watch this, the very essence of who he is. For God so loved the world that he what? Gave. That's why generosity is so important. Can I tell you? I think it's why Jesus emphasized money. He talked more about money than heaven or hell. Because here's what he knows. The forces of hell will come against you to prevent you from living a generous life. Because when you live generously, you are embodying the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the power of generosity. That's the power. It's not even so much the amount of what God wants to do in our hearts. And listen... Giving is for our benefit. The Bible says they urgently pleaded, please Paul, let us give. Why? Because they knew Acts twenty thirty five. 35, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Right up the street here at the National Institute of Health where many of you work, uh, 16 years ago, 2006, uh, they did research on generosity and here's what they found that gift giving behaviors they found during gift giving behaviors watch this humans secrete feel-good chemicals in their brains such as serotonin dopamine and oxytocin they called it it gives you a helper's high come on who wants to get high today come on somebody <laughs> you never thought you hear that in church come on i'm not talking about mary jane okay that was my pre-Jesus days, okay? <laughs> God rescued your boy, okay? Some of you still need to be rescued, but that's okay. We're praying for you, okay? You're welcome here. But you want to get real high? Be generous. The Bible says it, and the research shows it. Do you know those three chemicals? Watch this. Those three chemicals that are released, dopamine, serotonin, and oxytocin, are also released in sex. That, listen, God created you to give, to bless others, but also for you to be blessed. That word blessed that Jesus uses, the word makarios, many of you know this, that word is translated literally happy. You're happier when you you give. The American Journal of Public Health found this in 2013, that actually generosity, catch this, it lowers your stress levels. Would anyone like lower stress? Come on. And it reduces mortality. You were created to give, it reminds me of my daughter, several years ago, we had a friend's come over our house. And she, they were about to leave, and she came to me. And she said, Dad, could I give one, one of her toys, she mentioned the toy, could I give this to my friend? And she asked me because we had got her that toy. And I said, absolutely, you can give him that toy. And she came downstairs, like really excited. She was like six years old. And she gave him the toy. Do you know what she experienced in that moment? The joy I saw on her face? That's more blessed to give and to receive. Do you know what I know happening in her little brain? Dopamine, serotonin, (laughs) oxytocin. She didn't know that, but God did. Can I tell you, God created you to be generous. And we are called to give by faith, not merely by reason. The scripture says that they gave beyond their ability. This was a powerful phrase culturally speaking. Here's why. What was commonplace culturally in Corinth at that time was that you would give within your means. Meaning this, you would give what was reasonable for you to give with your income and your lifestyle. And Paul was very important to note. They gave even beyond their ability. They gave beyond reason, and they entered a level in a realm of faith. And this is important to note because rational giving versus faith-filled giving. And if you are a follower of Christ, we are called to give by faith and not merely by reason. The Bible says this, we walk by faith and not by sight. Listen, a reasonable giver gives because it's the right thing to do. A faith-filled giver gives because it's the God thing to do. A reasonable giver views their self as the source, whereas a faith-filled giver knows that God is my source. A reasonable giver might feel like I have to give. A faith-filled giver, like the Macedonian church, are like, I get to give. A reasonable giver will view it as an obligation, but a faith-filled giver views it as obedience. Can I, can I encourage, if you are a follower of Jesus, God has called you to give by faith and not just by sight. Here's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 He says, Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, but whoever sows generously will reap generously. And each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly. So at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. I want to challenge you in this journey of belief. And here's why we have been saying this. We want you to ask God how he would have for you to give. Because we want you to give by faith. And there are some of you in the room, you are a numbers person, which I understand. I Numbers speak to me. Uh, but here's my challenge for you if you are a numbers person, that when it comes to your generosity, and I'm speaking biblically here, is not to merely give what makes sense, but to give what God says. Amen? There are some of you as well, and you might think of a number. And here's just a thought to submit. Please hear this. This is a thought to ponder. If, if the number you think to give might feel very comfortable I would just make again and ask God because one of the ways you might know it's God calling you to give something is because it may not feel fully comfortable and can I tell you why you want to engage in giving by faith because when you give by faith take note from Macedonian church you actually welcome the supernatural into your life because you're no longer walking by sight you're walking by faith. You're called to give by faith. Here's the last point. As the third and final truth is I am called to grow in generosity. Paul said that in verse 7. But since you excel in everything. In faith, speech, knowledge, love. Excel in the grace of giving. Since you excel at school. Excel in the grace of giving. As you excel at work. Excel in the grace of giving. As you excelled on the Peloton this morning. Come on, somebody. Excel in the grace of giving. That's what Paul is saying. Have you ever been to the gym before? Have you ever seen someone who, um, this is a common joke because it's true. You know, you, if, you, if you never noticed it, you'll probably notice someone this week. You ever notice someone with an overdeveloped upper body and what's called chicken legs? You know what I'm talking about? Come on. Large bicep, no calf, right? You're like, it's just one day they're just going to tip over and say, what's happening? You, know? you got to do squats, bro. The fall is real, right? So any trainer will tell you, lay off the buys for a little while. Just hit those hands, right? Do little calf raises because you don't want to unbalance body. Here's what Paul's saying. I think he was seeing the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church, I want you to hear this. They were known for their wealth, but but their generosity wasn't at the same level. So here's who was challenging them. Hey, Corinthian church, man, you are known for your faith. But in the same way you have an overdeveloped bicep, I want you to work. I want you to work that giving muscle. I want you to excel in giving. Man, you know your word. But I want you to grow in your generosity. Here's a truth I want you to take. I want you to hear this. And here's my hope for you. In fact, I want to illustrate this. And I think I have some team who are going to help me with this, um, is we all have a next step when it comes to our generosity. And I'm going to close this illustration. Because it's important that we understand that we have a next step when it comes to our giving. And there's, there's uh, in, our, in our commitment, God, that you receive and believe, you'll see something that's called the generosity ladder. And here's the intent of this. I want to communicate the heart. In the same way we all have a next step when it comes to our faith and our knowledge of the word. And maybe to be more forgiving. Maybe to be more kind. Maybe to be more self-controlled. That in the same way. We have a next step when it comes to our generosity. Um, and not, it's not my idea. It was um, somebody else's that I just took. Uh, of a generosity ladder to exemplify the next step. Um, now, if, if I fall off this thing, I'm going to see who really loves me and who will help me. Um, <laughs> I did try it out last night to make sure, you know. Not a small man, okay? Um, I think that's why I got this is called Gorilla Ladders. Come on, somebody. I'm getting distracted. Well, there's different levels of, of giving I want to submit to you. We're gonna go through them quickly. And here, here's the first one. Some of you might be here. Of what of what is called we're just calling a potential giver. And that's that's someone, and please hear this: wherever you are, there's no condemnation. Remember, we are graced to give. We no longer are mandated to give. It's not We're not giving for approval. We give from grace. A potential giver is someone who has not given yet. So you would be right here at the bottom of the ladder. And here's my challenge for you. Is to take a step. Maybe for some of you, is your step is just giving for the first time. And you will experience the more blessed to give than to receive. That next level is what we call an emerging giver. That's that first step. And some of you are here. You've, you've, you've given. And you've experienced some of the benefits, and that's what an emerging giver is. You've, you've maybe, I know for here, at a, as an emerging giver, I was here for a while. I, I, I would give, um, at the end of the month, whatever I kind of had left over, I'd kind of give. Um, if I felt inspired by something, I gave. That, that was where I was for, when I first came back to faith, I was, I was there. I just kind of didn't really give systematically or intentionally, just kind of gave when I felt like it. And maybe if you're here, you're an emerging giver, here's my challenge for you. Maybe to take a step up is to be a consistent giver. That's your next step. And here's, here's a scripture from First Corinthians sixteen two. Paul says, on the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. So Paul says, be consistent. Let me give real practical for a consistent giver. That means you're not just giving spontaneously. You're planning your generosity. And I'll just tell you what we do as a family. I'm just, just, this isn't like a, in the scripture, this is how we do it. Our first line on our budget item is giving. And here's my heart. Because God's my provider, no one else. So I give to God before I pay my mortgage. I give to God before I pay Netflix. (laughs) Why? Because God is my provider. And, and, and for us, we used to kind of give every time we got paid. Now we have recurring giving, and so many of you do. i want to commend you for that. And that's what that is. You're just recurring giving and saying, hey, every 1st and 15th, this is going out. So when I get paid, it's the first thing that gets my finances because God is my provider. Maybe for some of you, that's your next step is to move into that planned giving. And again, ask God. The next step up, so you have emerging, you have planning. Okay, this is where it gets dangerous, people, okay? You have tithing. Tithing. Now, let me say this about tithing. Let me read a scripture for you first. Verse 11 of Malachi 3. Verse uh, 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see that I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven, pour out so much blessing, there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe. Tithing is the first 10% we bring back to God. It was pre-Mosaic law. It was written into the Mosaic law. It was a New Testament practice. Uh, at one point it was a mandatory offering, now it is a grace gift. Now we believe this is where generosity starts in the fo- life of a follower of Jesus. But we mentioned the emerging giver and the consistent giver, because maybe some of you, you're not ready yet to make that jump into tithing. And we understand. When I first came to Christ, I was not ready to tithe. I, I literally told someone this, and maybe you've like this before. I was like, I love God. I just don't know if I love him 10%, okay? <laughs> Come on, can we? 10% can feel like it is. It's a chunk of money. So I was like, all right. I had a good friend of mine who I trusted just challenged me. Because the Bible says it's the only part in all of Scripture, Old and New Testament, where God says, test me. Test me. And see that I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven, there won't be room enough to store it. Let me hear this. Let me, let me just say this. God will bless you when you are generous. But I want you to write this down. Here's why God blesses you. He blesses you to be a blessing. He's not blessing you. to Listen, if you hear people say, if you give, God will get you a new car. That's not biblical, okay? God blesses you to be a blessing to others. Can I get an amen? Amen. That's tithing. Here's the last part. I'm closing now. It's called extravagant giving. And let me say this. Now, here's where I might fall, okay? Um, This is where God wants all of us to be. All right, come on. I don't think I'm on the online stream anymore, but I'm still here. (laughs) This is where God wants all of us to live. Extravagant generosity. It's the top of the ladder. Um, Mark 12, read this. Jesus sat down. It was an offering being taken up. He sat down. He was watching them put in money into into the receptacles. At 13 receptacles around the temple. A poor widow came and gave two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples, he said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more in the treasury than all of the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty, put in everything. She gave sacrificially. And... This is what extravagant giving is. What she gave two mites, a mite in modern uh, currency is one-eighth of a cent. Most temples would not even accept a mite. It's not about the amount. It's about your heart. And Jesus was exemplifying, what I want is for you to give out of obedience in your heart. And that's what she did. I remember uh, years ago, we were... uh, Part of an offering similar to this, and we were being asked the same thing: you pray and ask God how He would ask for you to give. And while we did so, we we heard from God. Now I go back to the conditional thing because I initially sort of was arguing with God about it because I had student loan debt; I was still paying off, and I was like, "I don't think I can give what I feel like God's saying because of my my, my debt." And I remember God just kind of reminding me, Jeremy, I am bigger than your debt. Let me just share what happened. And again, I could not make this up. We gave the amount, which at the time was the highest amount we ever given. And we gave, and about five weeks later, it was the end of the year. And Christina had just started working for a new organization, and it was uh, kind end of end-of-year bonus time. And her end-of-year bonus paid off all of my student loan debt in a moment. Here's here's what I want you to hear. God will bless you abundantly if he knows that you'll trust him. And God reminded me, Jeremy, do do not give conditionally, but give by faith and God will bring a blessing. Paul concludes with this, and we close our last scripture. The worship team can come. He says, for you know by grace of your Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake became poor so that through his poverty you might become rich. And here's why giving is so powerful, Paul says. Because when we give, we demonstrate the gospel. And with that said, uh, before we close, I want to show a brief story of a uh, member here Catalyst. And exemplifies this so beautifully and powerfully. And then we're going to come up and we're going to pray in close service. You can go ahead and turn your attention to the screens. Can we get it for Tanya? She said this. She's experienced the grace of God. And to use Paul's language, now she is graced to give. Can you bow your heads with me, church?